Welcome to One Cause Church. We hope you enjoy this inspirational message. If you weren't here last week, neither was I. I was in China, of all places, Shanghai, China. But I'm glad to be home, and I'm glad to be back with you. And my husband's glad to have me home. He doesn't function well without me. Bless his heart. And I hear about it the whole time I'm gone. But I just say, you'll be okay. Absence makes the heart grow fonder. Um, But Pastor Eric is not here today. He is in Irving. He is with Pastors Brian and Jonna ministering there. And Pastor Jeremiah is not here as well. He is in Garland area ministering at a church that um, Eric has relationship with the pastor and they needed someone this morning, so he is there. So we are believing for good things happening in those congregations as well today. You know, I, I am really grateful this morning. I want to thank Heather and Alex and everybody that stepped up this morning because we're not the B team. We are able ministers, and you know, even though our leadership of this church is spread out over about four congregations in the Metroplex, we still have plenty of able ministers here today to minister to you. Yeah, last night, Eric and Jeremiah were talking about how they were a little bit scared they were leaving me and Maddie in charge, and I said, well, you should be, so... Um, Anyway, last week, Pastor Eric started a series called Commandments of Ignorance, and that doesn't sound very positive at first, but what what it is is it's 10 things that you should not be ignorant of as a believer, and so I'm just going to recap his um, two commandments that he covered last week. The first one is do not be ignorant of the necessity of believers being together in regular fellowship. Do not be ignorant of the necessity that you have to gather together with other believers. Now, you're in church this morning. That's a great step in that direction. Um, But also, outside of church, hang out with like-minded people. That doesn't mean that the people have to agree with everything that you think or all of your opinions, but hang out with people who are going to strengthen you in your walk and your pursuit of God and godliness. Um, You know, I'm going to just be honest with you, and one of my favorite things to do is hang out with sinners. It just is. Maybe because I'm around Christians 99.99% of the time, and it's just refreshing to me. And as pastors, a lot of times, not from y'all, but we get people putting on their church face. And we encounter that as soon as someone finds out that we're pastors, all their demeanor changes. Uh, you know, we had a neighbor one time that we would, we would talk to him outside, and he would just cuss a blue streak every time we talked to him. And, you know, we never thought anything of it. He never thought anything of it. And then he found out we pastored a church, and he was like, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. I, I use terrible language around you. And, you know, we just thought, well, here we go. Here goes on the, the my neighbors are pastor's face. And, and so it was just refreshing sometimes to be around people who don't know any better and who are just completely free. Also, I just like to get a glimpse into their world sometimes. You know, I like to see the things that they think about and talk about. But I know it's not a healthy place to stay, to camp out. So I try to keep myself surrounded with like-minded people. 
So number one was do not be ignorant of the necessity of believers being together in regular fellowship. Number two that Pastor Eric covered last week is do not be ignorant of God's righteousness and how to receive it. God's righteousness for you will be found in Christ alone. That's it. There is nothing you can do, no performance that you can do to achieve righteousness only through Christ. Christ died for your sins. There's nothing you can do to atone for them, so don't even try. Just accept the righteousness that God has given you through his son, Jesus Christ. Amen. You receive it by faith and faith alone. So those were Eric's commandment one and commandment two. So that takes us to the third commandment of ignorance this morning. And we're going to turn in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 for number three commandment of ignorance. And this one is, do not be ignorant of the mandate for holy living. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Do not be ignorant of the mandate for holy living. We should be living holy. We should be living holy, but a lot of times we have different ideas of what that looks like. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, starting in verse 6, says, Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea, all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But with most of them, God was not well pleased, for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. And I'm going to stop with verse 5 right now. Do not be ignorant of the mandate for holy living. You know, Corinthians was written by Paul to the New Testament church at the time, and it was a letter addressing some of the issues that the church dealt with at the time. They were, uh, you know, there was idolatry and sexual immorality and all of these things, and he's trying to come in and teach these people how they should be living. Well, in this passage of Scripture, Paul is referring back to Exodus, when Moses is leading the Israelites out of captivity in Egypt and trying to get them to the promised land. And from the get-go, Moses has a challenge on his hands because these people are negative about everything. They gripe and they complain and they don't see how anything that happens to them is God blessing them and they just are, I'm sure, a hard bunch to deal with for Moses. They start out in the very beginning griping and complaining. And even after they approach the Red Sea and God instructs Moses to wave his hand over the sea and the sea parts and they're able to walk through on dry ground, not even muddy ground, not waste high water that's easy to navigate through, dry ground, completely dry ground. So they walk through there. On the other side of that, then they start saying, well, sure, we got past the Red Sea, but we're going to starve out here. We have nothing to eat. We could have been back in, in, in uh, Egypt as slaves, but still had plenty to eat. Now we're going to die out here in the wilderness of starvation. God instructs Moses, and Moses lets them know God will provide food. The next morning they wake up, and there's manna that's fallen from heaven. Plenty for them to eat. God instructs that they go out and they take only what they need for that day because he wants them, him to, them to understand that he's going to provide for the next day as well. 
And so what do they do? They go out and they take what they need for that day, but then they also take a little extra and they think, I'm going to stash this for tomorrow because who knows what we're going to face then and I'm going to need to be able to feed myself and feed my family. Lo and behold, they woke up and that manna that they had hoarded for the next day after they had been instructed not to was rotten and it had worms in it. God provided for them to eat, though, but they still murmured and complained, murmured and complained. And they badmouthed Moses and Aaron, the very people who were put in their lives to lead them into the promised land. God placed people in their life to take them from slavery and into promise, and all they could do was gripe and complain about them. Let's read verse 6 now of that passage, and it says, Now these things became our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. So Paul's saying these are examples of how not to be. This is not holy living. Colossians 2.20, chapter 2. I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation. I think, oh, you changed it this time. Um, I slipped that in on him last time because, you know, I didn't know if Pastor Eric would see my notes last night, and I didn't want him to know I was reading the New Living Translation. (laughs) Colossians 2, starting in verse 20, and the New Living Translation says, You have died with Christ, and he has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world. So why do you keep on following the rules of the world, such as don't handle, don't taste, don't touch? Such rules are mere human teachings about things that deteriorate as we use them. These rules may seem wise because they require strong devotion, pious self-denial, and severe bodily discipline, but they provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires. You know, some of the most self-righteous people I know are people that in and of themselves are very self-disciplined. They live their life a very disciplined way and and, you know, they are very self-righteous about it. I'm not saying self-discipline is a bad thing. It's actually a very good thing. But that in and of itself is not what makes you holy. And sometimes the world gets the idea that if they enter into church, that that's how they're going to have to behave. Well, I'll have to go in there. They don't have to dress a certain way. And I'll have to talk a certain way. And I can't do this anymore. And I have to do this. And bleh, nobody likes that. And so in Colossians it says... They provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires. You know, several years ago, um, Eric and I have some pastor's friends that called us, and they said, we've got an issue. They had a female worship leader at the time, and they said, there's something off about her presentation, and um, it's bothering the men and the women in our church, and uh, I guess my best way to describe it is it's very sensual. And, and it's ruffling people's feathers, and we've got to do something. And, and we see it too, but we don't really know what to do. And we, we met with them, and I just, we said, okay, let's start with this. We had the pastor's wife go to the worship leader and say, okay, listen, let's set some guidelines for the way that you dress. She said, okay. They set some guidelines. She gave her a neckline and a hemline and all of those things. And, and uh, so the following week or two, we get a call, I got a call from that pastor's wife, and she said, Heather, she did everything I asked her to do. Her neckline was up where I asked her to have it. Her hemline was down where I asked her to have it, and it was worse than ever. And I said, okay, well, what do you mean? She said, I don't know, it's just, it's bad. 
Well, over the course of the next few weeks, they started meeting with this young lady to try to adjust some things. Um, she was young, and they wanted to give her a chance, but they also wanted to teach her. You know, they didn't want her want to just expect that she knew how to, how to behave, but they wanted to teach her. And over the course of time, they realized that she had some issues in her life and that her presentation had nothing to do with the way that she dressed or her appearance at all. And so they began to deal with the issues at hand. See, her, her appearance and the way that she presented herself was only a reflection of what was really going on in the inside of her. It will do you no good to try to attain holiness by changing physically. You can change the way you look, the way you act, and the way you speak, and it will not make you holy. However, these things will happen when you decide not to be ignorant of the mandate for holy living. So back to verse 5 in our original scripture in Corinthians when Paul is talking about referring back to Exodus and talking about the Israelites being led by Moses and it says, but with most of them God was not well pleased. Well, we know in Hebrews 11.6 it says, but without faith it's impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So when we, when we look at that, we know that what it takes to please God is faith. Not the way you dress, not the way you talk, not the way you act. It's faith. And that's what the Israelites lacked. They lacked faith. Practically speaking, this is what it looks like to have faith in God. Faith will cause you to do pretty much opposite of what the Israelites were doing. It will cause you to submit yourself to God's wisdom above the world's wisdom. There are things that do not make sense to the world, and that's okay. That doesn't mean, if, if everything that you do makes sense to the world, what's the point? What's the point? Faith will also cause you to devote time and energy to know God and surround yourself with his people. It's, ama it's amazing how when you have faith in God, you can find that time to spend with him in prayer every day. You can find that time to get into his word on a daily basis. Faith will cause you to be generous and selfless to others, even when it's not so easy, even when it doesn't benefit you or nobody knows about it. Your faith in God will cause you to be generous. Faith will cause you to show honor and support to those that God has placed in your life, especially those in authority, whether it's spiritual authority or otherwise. Honor is simply putting a person and the relationship you have with them above your opinion or any differences that you may have. It's important to honor those that are in your life, whether it's in a spiritual atmosphere like your pastors or church leaders, or in the natural like your president. Yeah, it got a little quiet. I have been just pretty astonished at the way that the American people have behaved these last few months. I'm sorry, I, don't, I know that you, you may not have voted for him, you may not agree with his policies, but there is a place of honor that we as Americans should have for the sitting president of the United States. Amen. This one, the one before, and the one to come. And I think that, you know, as American citizens, we have certain rights. And there's things you can do if there's things going on you don't agree with. Write your congressman, different things like that. But when that person is in that place, 
I think that that position requires honor from the American people. That's my opinion. Another example is you can have honor for your spouse. Anybody who's been married more than five minutes knows that it, it's, you don't always agree with them. Um, I'm going to take just a moment to say that Eric and I are celebrating somewhat of an anniversary today. 23 years ago today, he asked me to marry him. And I said yes, obviously. <laughs> I was 18 and a half at the time, which kind of freaks me out to think about now, especially since I have daughters who are 19 and 20. But don't worry, I was 19 by the time we actually got married. A few weeks before we got married, I turned the ripe old age of 19, you know, and with 19 comes all that maturity and everything that you need. <laughs> but you can honor your spouse. And something that Eric and I did for ourselves when we first got married is we set ourselves up for success in marriage, and we decided we would never get a divorce. And now if you've been divorced, there's no condemnation. I'm just telling you how we set ourselves up. We eliminated the path in that direction. And let me tell you, when you eliminate that path, you somehow find a way to make it work. But it's not because of my faith in Eric. I love him. He's a great guy. But it's because of my faith in God that I can, that I can honor my spouse through whatever. Your brothers and sisters in Christ, honor them. You know, the Bible talks specifically about uh, avoiding any kind of a lawsuit or thing like things like that with your brother and sister. And all that's trying to do is elevate our relationships with one another above anything like financial disagreements. And I understand it's sometimes easier said than done. Eric and I, several years ago, we, we love young people. We always have young people around us. And so we had this young couple and they were getting married. We helped them get married. Uh, they were like our own kids, loved them to pieces. Well, after they got married, they had one car that they shared going back and forth to work, and that car went kaput, just died. Nothing that they could do about it. Well, they were in a bind. They needed a way to get back and forth to work. So after we, and Eric and I were, were in no position to give them a car or buy them a car, so after we sat down and looked at our options, really the only thing that we could come up with is that we would take out a loan because they had no credit at the time, and they would make the payments. So that's what we did. Well, that's what we intended to do. So we took out a loan and bought them a car. Well, one month went by, and we asked them for the payment. Well, we only have this much. Okay, well, we'll help you cover it. Another month went by. No more money came in. And, and so it began this thing that we were constantly having to talk to them about the money that they owed and how we can't really afford to make this payment. We need you to come up with your part. And, and it just it got bad. That turned into us being critical of everything that they did financially. They would show up and have a new pair of shoes on, and we'd say, oh, they can afford a new pair of shoes but can't make their car payment. Or they might go out to eat, and we'd say, oh, that's funny how they can afford to go out to eat. And so that began to affect our relationship because it was like everything they did, we were watching and critical and felt abused and used. And so at some point we decided, no, no, we love these kids and we do not want our relationship to turn into this over this situation. And so the only thing that we could decide 
to do that we thought would help is we sat them down and we said, you don't owe us money anymore. We're going to take care of this payment on our own. And that was a step of faith, let me tell you, because it was not easy to make a payment, an extra payment every month. Like I said, we weren't in a position that that was an easy thing for us to do. But our faith in God and his ability to provide for us and knowing that he would want us to elevate our relationship with these people over finances caused us to take that step. And guess what? We were able to do it. God provided for us in a way that we were able to take care of that and salvage that relationship. It doesn't make sense to the world. A lot of the decisions you make shouldn't make sense to the world because they could be out of, that shouldn't make sense to the world because they should be out of faith. You know, a few months ago, weeks ago, there were all these women's marches. I know you heard about them if you're on social media at all. I'm not dogging it because I don't really know what it was about. And I think most of you don't really know what it was about. Because everything I read and looked into, everybody's like, I don't really know what they're marching about. Some person, one person would say one thing, the next person would say something else, and it was like all these women, thousands and thousands, and I think somebody even said millions of women getting together and marching, and nobody really knew what they were marching for. If we're getting together every Sunday morning and every Wednesday night, and then we leave here and we look exactly like the world and nobody knows what it is that we're doing here, then there's a problem. If we're making decisions and doing things exactly like the world does, then there's a problem. This is not being effective. And so walk by faith. God will provide your needs, and you'll be a, you'll be a witness to the people around you. Amen. So let your life reflect holiness by walking by faith. And that takes us to our commandment number four, which we find in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8. Our commandment of ignorance, number four, is do not be ignorant to the fact that God does not bring you trouble. Do not be ignorant to the fact that God does not bring you trouble. Can we settle this once and for all? Please. God does not bring you trouble. You know, I... Let me read the scripture first. <clears throat> Excuse me. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8 says, For we do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened beyond measure, above strength, so that we despaired even of life. Yes, we had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead, who delivered us from so great a death and does deliver us, in whom we trust that he will still deliver us. Does that sound like God brings you trouble? He does not. He will deliver you from trouble. You know, like I mentioned, I was in China last week, and I went with my friend Virginie, who's here this morning, our resident uh, foreign exchange member. She, if you don't know Virginie, she is French. And you know very quickly when you start talking to her that she is French. But our reason for going to China was because Virginie has a brother who works for Air France, and he was able to take two of her other brothers with him on the plane to Shanghai, and they decided they wanted Virginie to meet them there for a bit of a family reunion. So Virginie didn't want to go by herself and asked me, if I would want to go, and I'm always up for an adventure, so I said, sure. 
Never really had a desire to go to China, but let's do it. But while we were in China, it was an interesting situation because I was surrounded with Virginie and her family, who were all French, and other crew members from Air France, who are all French, and who all speak French. And so I'm in China in this French-speaking atmosphere. And we had a lot of fun. Um, I didn't understand most of what they said, which is okay, because they made fun of me a lot. Um, at one point, we went to go do that, uh, where you put your feet, and I don't, is there a name for it? You put your feet in the tank with the fish, and they eat all the dead skin off your feet. Have y'all seen that? <laughs> yeah, I kind of thought the same thing before I did it. And it was, it was just an experience. If you ever get the chance to do it, make yourself do it. I couldn't look while it was going on, and it felt crazy, but it was fun. So they're all speaking French around me, and I could always tell when they were talking about me. Well, number one, they would always kind of start laughing, but they'd all be looking at me. And so I would look at Virginie and say, what are they saying? And so at this point, she's laughing too, and I'm like, okay, what would they say? And when we took our shoes off and started rolling up our pant legs to put our feet in the tank, they're laughing, and they started asking if I use Clorox on my legs. So, yeah, yeah. Apparently, I don't have a suntan right now. That's okay. So another thing that would happen is we would all be, we would all be, the answer is no, I don't. Uh, we would all be, you know, out touring, whether it was in the city of Shanghai or we went out to this village outside of the city and we'd be looking around and they're all talking and I don't know what they're saying and then all of a sudden I hear, Hezer, Hezer. That's how they say my name. I, it's okay, I couldn't pronounce their names either. And I would look over it and they would all be grouped together for a photo and yelling at me like, come on, what are you doing? And I'm like, I don't understand y'all when you're making the plan to go take a group photo in front of this bridge or whatever it was. <laughs> trouble is not God's language. If you're trying to hear the voice of God through the trouble in your life, it's, it's not going to work. It's not how he speaks to you. Peace is God's language. Health is God's language. Joy is God's language. Prosperity is God's language. Wisdom is God's language. Fruitfulness is God's language. Strength is God's language. Don't look to the trouble in your life to hear from God. It will leave you disappointed, confused, and disillusioned. However, we see in Romans 8.28 where scripture teaches us, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. All things. You see, if you're alive today, you live in a body, and your body is made up of flesh, and that flesh has fleshly desires. And you live in a world, a fallen world, that is full of other sinners and who all have free will to make mistakes, as well as your own free will. And you have an enemy who hates you and wants to stop you in your tracks. 
So there is plenty that is coming against you and causing trouble in your life, none of which are God. But God is here saying that no matter where it comes from, all things can work together for your good because you love the Lord and he loves you. Amen? About a month before Eric and I got married, I had a cousin who lived in South Padre Island, and he and his girlfriend decided they were going to move to Chicago for his girlfriend to go to law school. Well, they loaded up all their stuff in a trailer and headed out, and somewhere along the journey, she was driving, and he was laying in the seat asleep and didn't have a seatbelt on. Well, they're not quite sure what happened. Um, They think either the trailer went off the road and started flipping them, or she fell asleep. Either way, they found themselves uh, end over end flipped in the ditch, and he had been launched from the car uh, at least 100 feet from the car, breaking his neck in just the right place to leave him paralyzed from the neck down. He um, went through multiple operations, and it was touch and go for a while, but when things settled down, they decided to go ahead and get married, and then they decided to serve the Lord. They got involved in church, and they were really doing well and serving the Lord together, which is great. The problem with that situation is that my cousin was convinced that God put him in that situation so that he would bring him back in communion with him. To no avail, we tried to show him that God's goodness is what brought him back into him through the situation. Um, But don't look at the trouble in your life. God will use what the mess, even if you've made the mess in your life, he'll turn it around and he'll use it and make it good. But that does not mean that he brings it to you. Don't look at the trouble in your life to hear from God, but rather submit that situation to him and watch what he does. But that's the secret. You have to submit it to him. Say, Lord, I don't know why this happened, but it's painful. Lord, I don't know why this happened, but it's caused havoc in my life. I'm submitting it to you, and I'm looking forward to what you're going to do in my life with this situation. Amen? Don't let yourself go to the place of, why, God? Why did this happen to me? Why did you allow this to happen to me? You know, you hear people say that. God didn't do it, but he allowed it. Well, he allowed you to have free will, and sometimes you jack up your life. That's just the truth. And he's allowed all those people around you to have free will. And sometimes they jack up your life. And there's also an enemy roaming about. And so you have to recognize that that's where the evil and the bad and the torment and all of those things come from. But God is good and he does good. Repeat that after me. God is good and he does good. Say it again. God is good. God does good. If it's not good, it's not from God. Let's establish that once and for all. All right, so number four is do not be ignorant to the fact that God does not bring you trouble. So now you're, you've got one through four of the Ten Commandments of Ignorance, and Pastor Eric will be back next week to continue. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this time together in your presence, Lord. We thank you that you are good and that you do good. And Lord, we receive it by faith and we commit to walk by faith and so that that we can walk according to your wisdom and the world can see a life different than theirs lord father i thank you for this word being a seed planted in the hearts and lives of your people creating a great harvest for their future in the name of jesus thank you for listening 
we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.